Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. 2 Kings chapter 22 is a passage that deals with the kingdom of uh, Judah. It's in uh, the latter history of the southern kingdom of Judah. Josiah becomes king at a very young age. And you would think that he would just simply not have the maturity to be the kind of king Judah needs. Turns out, he, he was exactly what Judah needed. Verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. His mother's name was Jedida, daughter of Adaya. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. And have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and the king and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors of the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbar, son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant. He said, go and acquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbar, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, son of Horus, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. And she said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. 
because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of reading your word. The gravity of this word is haunting. There's so much in it to be thankful for. The attitude of King Josiah, young king who was mature beyond his years. And yet the gravity of it is that there were sins of previous generations whose repercussions would not be wiped away even by the repentance of a single king. But Lord, in this message we focus on King Josiah because there's something about this young king, something about his attitude that I believe we in Palmetto Baptist Church can learn and apply and help us, Lord, to do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christian writer Kenneth Kuykendall said, There are two words that have been the guiding light of my life and ministry. He said, years ago, someone wrote two words in the back of my Bible, and these two words have influenced me and impacted me more than any other combination of words that I know. He said, they are simply these two words, stay teachable. Stay teachable. He goes on to say, I honestly believe that having a teachable spirit is the most important element of success in life, in ministry, and in relationships. If you have reached a place, he says, where you can no longer learn anything, you are dead, he says. We want to be teachable. We want to be a church that can be taught something that is open to new lessons that God has to teach us as individuals, as families, and as a church. In the the Proverbs, one of the wisdom writers of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 8 and 9 said, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you, but rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still, teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The book of Proverbs, the entire book of Proverbs, is a book that is devoted with the assumption that its readers will desire to learn more. The Gospel of Luke is 
is prominent among the four Gospels in, in stopping at periods of time during Jesus' ministry and describing how he was growing and learning. One of the big dilemmas that we find in, as a result of reading the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus, though he was 100% God the entire time he was here, did not know everything at every single point in his earthly life. You say, how do you know that? That's blasphemy. It's not blasphemy. It's the word of God. Luke says at the end of the birth narrative in his gospel that, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in knowledge and in stature and in favor with God and men. You cannot grow in knowledge if you already know everything. And so Luke describes a Jesus who on earth was constantly learning. Now that... Uh, it's difficult for us uh, to get our minds around when we think about Jesus being God and God being all-knowing, and yet Jesus at points in his lifetime not being all-knowing, but I'm just telling you what the text says. And sometimes the text is a lot more muddy than we tend to think about the text being. We want to be teachable, and in this message, I want to give us uh, some of the traits of a teachable spirit. Are you teachable? Are you someone who is open to new things? Or do you think that you are so mature that you already know everything there is to know and therefore nobody can tell you anything? I'm going to make a statement here and I don't want you to think that I'm being critical of our church because what I'm about to say, I can say about any church anywhere. Most of you are teachable. I'm just going to let that sink in a little bit. Most of you are teachable. I didn't say all of you are, because all of you are not. In the next service, I'm going to say the same thing. Most of you are teachable, but not all of you. Some of you can't tell anything. Now, don't look so shocked. You know that that's true. You knew that was true before I ever said it. Some of you can't be told anything, but most of you can what are the characteristics of a teachable spirit? Well, first of all, a person with a teachable spirit has a spirit of humility. You cannot tell a know-it-all anything because he or she thinks they already know. Erwin G. Hall put it this way. He said, we can't learn anything new until we can admit that we don't already know everything. You see, teachable people approach life with the understanding that they can learn from anybody. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we can come down here on Wednesday night and go down in the food pantry. There is something, even from folks who come to the food pantry, we tend to think we can't learn from those folks. I will tell you, there's a lot we can learn from those people. We can learn from anybody, anything. And so the teachable person realizes that we can learn from anybody regardless of state, regardless of status, regardless of station in life, and such a spirit involves humility. You see, being teachable requires that we're always aware of the limitation of our own abilities and our own knowledge. That requires humility. So a teachable spirit, first of all, requires the spirit of humility. Second, it requires a desire to be better. I'm amazed in our day at the number of people who don't want to be better. It makes me re remember the time when Jesus came to uh, the pool at, at, uh, 
at Bethsaida, and there was a man there who had been uh, brought to the pool every single day because they thought that an angel would come down and agitate the waters, and then the first come, first serve, the first person into the water would be healed. And this man had been brought almost every day for 38 years by somebody, and yet he was not healed. There is a good possibility he didn't want to be any better. And so when Jesus came up to him and saw him, Jesus asked a very odd question. You know what he asked him? He says, do you want to be well? I'm telling you, that is an awesome question. Do we want to be better than we are? Or are we totally satisfied with being the same old, same old status quo? I will tell you, there is no such thing as as status quo in the commandments of our Lord Jesus. He is constantly stretching us, whether it's through adversity or teaching or circumstances. He's constantly stretching us because he wants us to be better this year than we were last year, better next year than we were this year. There is a desire to be better. Somebody said this. They said, knowledge is proud because it knows so much. Wisdom is humble because it knows so little. People who are teachable have a great desire to learn on a daily, if not regular, basis. Abraham Lincoln, my favorite president, said, I do not think much of a man who is not wiser today than he was yesterday. Do we have a desire to be better? A person with a teachable spirit has a desire to be better. King Josiah had a desire to be better. His, his attitude was one of humility, and his attitude was one that he was always open to learning new things. If that had not been the case, then, then the, the passage of Scripture, the story that I read from, first, from 2 Kings 22, would never have occurred. An open mind. Number three, it requires open eyes, unclogged ears, and a closed mouth. I'm in trouble already. You know, as some of you know, I teach college-level classes on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. Thursday nights, I teach at Bruton Parker College, which is a Baptist college. And then on Tuesday nights, I teach at the F.M. Hawkins Center for Christian Studies up and coming. It's a, a theological center in partnership with New Orleans Seminary. There are times when I feel guilty about that because uh, sometimes it takes me away from you who are my first priority. But the reason I love to, and I love to teach, the reason that I teach in those schools is, and those of you who are Sunday school teachers, you already know what I'm about to say I think, and that is, the teacher always learns more than the students. You cannot adequately study for a lesson, for a sermon, for a, a Christian speech without learning more yourself. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who, uh, I'm not talking about a teacher who all they, all they do in the preparation is read over the Sunday school quarterly and get ready to read that back to the class. I'm not talking about that. You know, if you're a Sunday school teacher, don't waste your people's time by reading the quarterly to them. They can do that. They need something beyond the quarterly. But I'm talking about when, when a teacher prepares, adequately prepares to teach a lesson. You cannot, it is impossible for that teacher not to come away learning. And what I have learned in doing studies that I would not otherwise have done, I have tried then to transfer in the teaching that I give in this church. I'm not an evangelistic preacher. I'm not a bombastic, loud, blow-it-out preacher. I'm a teacher preacher. 
I'm not the best teacher preacher in the world, but I'm a teacher preacher. I want you to have something that you can take with you when you leave here. But a leader has to be someone who is willing first to listen. Now, leaders have to speak. Preachers have to speak. Pastors have to speak. Teachers have to speak. That's granted. But if we don't spend time first listening to people, listening to what they have to say, whether it is uh, in agreement with us or in disagreement with us, whatever it is, if we don't take the time to listen, then we really don't have anything much to say. Hans Fensel said this. He says, if you can't be silent, you will have nothing to say. Doug Larson said this. He says, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. It takes discipline to listen. It's something that, that I, uh, uh, not that I'm an extrovert, I'm not, but it's something that, that, that took me way too many years to learn. And that is when somebody comes to me with a crisis, they don't need my advice usually. Sometimes they will, but usually they don't. They don't need me to spout off Bible verses or, or church marquee signs. They don't need that from me. What they need from me is a good listening ear. And someone who pays attention to what they have to say. It's amazing how many people, when they come to you, if you'll just listen to them and and hear them out, they will provide their own therapy by talking to someone who's willing to listen. I've always said that in the book of Job, there is a a place in chapter 3. Chapters 2 and 3, where Job's three friends, who we normally criticize in that book for giving Job the wrong advice, when they first came to Job, they saw him and were so shocked at his appearance that they sat down around him for seven straight days, not moving and not saying anything. That's the best seven days of ministry in the entire Bible, short of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. The problem they had was when they started talking. Listening, uh, opened eyes, unclogged ears, a closed mouth. That's an incredible essential for having a teachable spirit. Number four, a positive outlook. I've already said in one of these, I've spent a whole sermon saying we want to be positive. We want to be positive. I'm going to say something else right here. Most of you are. But some of you are the most negative people I've ever met in my life. Everything's negative. The nation's going to hell in a handbasket. Christians are going to hell in a handbasket. The whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. Granted, there, and, and there, there is enough news in our world to leave anybody negative. I'll give you that. But listen, it's been that way every day of my life for 55 plus years. It, there has not been a day that you and I have lived when there wasn't a war somewhere where terrorists were engaged in fighting innocent people and killing civilians. We hear about it more today because we have the internet, we have 24-hour-a-day cable news, we have, we have uh, 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 new, the, the network news pops in on emergency bases, and so we're, we have more access to this information than any other time in the history of humanity. Granted, things are bad. They are. There are some things that are really bad, but there are some reasons to look up in this world. If you look hard enough, you will find positive things going on in our world. And my friend, I'm just going to tell you straight up. If you can't find anything positive to talk about, you're not looking hard enough. Which means you're probably lazy. I better hurry. 
This may be the last sermon I get to preach here. Fifth, you need a desire to be around growing people. A desire to be around growing people. Learners genuinely want to learn. Therefore, most learners, genuine learners that I know, they want to be around people who can teach them. They want to be around people from whom they know they can learn something. Some of the, some of the greatest moments in my life have been uh, uh, sitting around at table with, with, with some of my teacher mentors and not saying a word because I didn't have any right, to, I didn't have any qualification to say a word, but just listen to their wisdom. Some of the greatest and, and most profitable times in my life have been sitting around with some of you, whether it's on your front porch or around your dining room or standing in your kitchen or, or you come by and visit me in my office and you just shared with me some things that you thought I needed to know and I walked away from that moment blessed by you. Surround yourself with people of wisdom, people of experience, people of spiritual insight. And then ask God to allow some of it to rub off on you. Because you need it. And I need it. Number six. There's only five spaces on that bulletin, isn't there? For the three of you who are taking notes, there are only five spaces in that bulletin. That's intentional. You need to be open and flexible. So there's a number six. A person with a teachable spirit has a willingness to apply what they've learned. You see, teachable people not only want to be learners and not only pursue truth, but they find ways to implement truth in their lives. John Maxwell said this. He says, the true value of teachability comes when we take something that we have learned and we apply it to our lives. The writer James says, don't be hearers only of the word, but be doers of the word. It's not the hearer who is justified in the sight of God. It is the doer of the word. Are you teachable? Are you willing to step outside of your familiarity zone, your comfort zone, and allow God to teach you something new? Or or are you just an old dog who has settled on never learning new tricks? I have news for you. Old dogs can learn new tricks. That's more difficult than teaching a a young dog. Yeah, it is. But old dogs can learn new tricks. I'm an old dog myself. And each week, almost each week, I find myself learning something new, something I mean really simple that I should have already known. In fact, I learned it this past week. I learned, I learned something that has to do with, with uh, taking a shower. And I'm not going to tell you what it was. But I learned something new. I read those lips. You're saying, thank God for that. I learned something new, and once I learned it, I thought, Jimmy Orr, here you are in your mid-50s, and it's taken you this long to learn that? Are you open to learning, or do you think that you're so smart that you have nothing new to learn? Think again. The legendary basketball coach John Wooden said this. He said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Are you teachable? Can anybody tell you 
anything well most of you are let's pray Oh, Lord, when you were here on this earth, every day you grew in knowledge and wisdom and stature and favor. That's what your word says. And that means that you are always open to learning, mainly from your heavenly Father. You watch people, you listen to people, you even lord yourself to serving people. And you were always open to whatever your Heavenly Father had to say to you, teach you. Lord, you leave for us the supreme example of a teachable spirit. Josiah, Lord, was a king who, when when he learned that there was a book in the old storage room of the temple, and when he had it open to him, he wasn't of... A smart aleck attitude that said, oh, there's nothing in there that I can learn that's new. There's no point in me reading that. But instead, his attitude was one of humility. His attitude was one of teachability. His attitude was one of an openness to learn new things from God's Word. May we be no less than Josiah's, than the wisdom writers, than Jesus. In our day, in Christ's name we pray, amen.